Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jerry Clark. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Oh, I remember that from my Catholic school days. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And I'm not talking about, especially for those of you who don't know the Catholic Church, I'm not talking about, you know, saying a prayer or an act of contrition. I mean, like, going into that little booth. I always like to face the priest, not go behind the screen. And now, see, I've never, I've never been to confession or been in a Catholic church. Do, do they really like? Do they have that little divider thing between the priest at Saint Bede, where I went to doing the confession? At, at Saint Bede, you had the option. There's like the reconciliation or confessional room, and when you walk in, you can either kneel, and there's a screen in front of you, and the priest is right on the other side of the screen. It, Saint Bede didn't have like one of those old school like three-unit confessionals where the priest sits in the middle and two people come on either side. Okay. Now, this is like a whole nice room. It was like a big walk-in closet almost. And you had the option when you first walk in, you can kneel down, they've got a little pad, and there's the screen. And you can begin your confession that way. Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. Or you could keep walking, and right around the wall, there's a chair, and you can just sit and face the priest. I always chose to sit and face him. It's like it, I felt weirder kneeling behind that screen okay and see, that's, well i mean that's that's the that's the thing that i wouldn't it's the thing i disagree with with the catholic church or that that faith that denomination yeah. or whatever you want to call it is I, I don't think that that's necessary and i think and maybe i'm wrong correct mm. me if i am because whatever you are, but I mean, you know the Catholic Church. Yeah. Isn't it that that's the only way that you get absolution from your sins? I don't think it's you the... you have to um, confess it no, you can say, through the priest? And no, the priest? it's not the only way. Okay. You can say, like, uh, act of contrition. Like, you can... There are certain prayers, and I think certain behaviors. I don't think it's like you must... That's ideal, I believe. And I think, practically speaking, it is uh, a sound way of holding somebody accountable and making them think through what they, they've done wrong, because they have to come up with their own confession. And then the penance isn't just, you know, say some Hail Marys and some Our Fathers. There's actually a good penance would be go out and do something that makes whatever you've done right. Okay. Or makes you understand and live out you, you being forgiven. It's not just like a wave of a hand. Okay, and that makes it more palatable because yeah. I mean that's pretty much in the Protestant Church. That's what we, I was going to ask. You about. know, we we have a form of that. How do you deal with sin in the Protestant? Uh, well, in and general, I have a point for bringing all this up, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, and there's there's two ways. 
personal private sin, you just simply pray straight to God and okay. you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and you're forgiven. Right. That's what's taught. Okay. I put it that way. Pretty much the only time that someone goes in front of the entire congregation as a whole mm-hmm. during at the end of the worship service, there'll be like an altar call. Okay. And it's not, I mean, you get into the, the non-denominational people that are throwing the spirit on people and knocking them out. It's not like that in most churches. But you go, you go down... <laughs> but the but you repent in front of the, the congregation. The ironic thing is, the only people that repent in front of the congregation are pregnant sixteen-year-old girls. Oh no! I mean, I mean seriously, yeah, or people that have committed adultery. Yeah, it's 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 only after something for the most part not always i mean sometimes people walk down and say hey i've done so and so and i need the church to pray for me okay. and i want to be res-. but that's not for the forgiveness that's for more help. bearing witness and help me through this process. yeah that's for okay. help to stay on the right path i am an alcoholic right uh and I can't stop drinking. Will the church please, as a whole, pray for me and help me get my life back intact? It's that kind of thing, but that's a lot more rare than the 14, 15, 16-year-old girl that's pregnant. You And, and what is <laughs> – I hate to laugh at this or even giggle because it, it is very serious. You never see a 15-year-old boy walk down and say – I fornicated. I had sex outside of marriage, <laughs> right. which is against God's law. You never see that person walk down in front of the church and ask for forgiveness. It's only the pregnant because well, you she'll got start the, the show. evidence be, of yeah. the. And you know yeah. when you know Joe Smith and Jane Smith get divorced. Yeah, Jane so Smith and so walks down and through. says. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have committed adultery. Right. Well, yeah, we all know that. That's why you and your old man split up. We got a hell of a grapevine around here. We know all about your dirty yeah, deeds. Yeah, and that's, and that's, you well, know, the, here's the reason intric- I intricacies. Ask. This is the reason I ask you. And the reason I bring up sin. Missing the mark. Like, think of it that way. You're missing the mark. Like you pull back an arrow and you... You miss the mark. That's the truth. And then, you, the some, in some ways, you can become intimate with your own sin. Ah, you know what I mean? You know, you're Greek. Oh yeah, like where you—it's almost like you start a relationship with your wrong ways, and it's a bad part of your conscience you're developing. And yeah, it can get pretty bad. It can grow on itself. But the reason I bring up sin and missing the mark, especially those of you listening here in the great state of Alabama, is some geniuses over at the website Wallet Hub. Now, they get a lot of information on people, so they're able to do these top 10 lists or comparative lists of the 50 states because they have a lot of just hardcore data and analytics on many aspects of human life. And they get this from financial transactions, but many other things and surveys. They just are a data-crunching company. Again, the geniuses at WalletHub, they've come up with a list of the 50 states, the least to most Sinful states. Now, number one most sinful. I mean, I think most people know what state that is. What if you had to think of a modern day Sodom? 
modern modern day Gomorrah. I'd have to go with Nevada. Yeah, but is. I mean, <laughs> you yep. know, Las really, Vegas, baby. I really wanted to go with Louisiana, <laughs> yeah. but I knew close, it had to be Nevada. There's something in the voodoo down there, especially in New Orleans, where it it gets weird. There's it's a I mean it's a serious vibe that place gives off. It's a weird place, but yeah, Nevada is correct. Um, with Vegas being hey, right win there. Hey, winner, winner, chicken dinner. But they didn't just, you know, again, these are data crunchers at Wallet Hub. So what they did is they rated all the 50 states across 43 indicators of immorality related to seven larger categories. The seven categories are thus anger and hatred, jealousy, excess and vices, greed, lust. Vanity. How do I look over there? And laziness. Hmm. Mm Hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did Alabama rate? This is why I bring up, we got to learn how to repent. Ask for forgiveness. Because we're in the center of the Bible Belt. This city in particular, Montgomery, I like to call it the city of a thousand churches. I thought I was exaggerating when I came up with that. Then I looked up like churches in Montgomery area. There are more than yes. It's the city of a thousand churches, all different denominations, different faiths, different groups. Interesting city in that regard. Religion is remarkable and uh, interesting topic in this. Dude, I live in Pentlala. There are, I mean, there's almost a church for every person that lives in our community. It is, there are yeah. those, I mean, there, there's at least one, if not two or three churches on every corner. Well, and this is what's weird to me, because when you listen to most national conversations, so to speak, that are either emanating out of like New York City or Los Angeles or even Atlanta to a degree, that's still Southern in a way, same culture as us. The conversation's always like, I just assume people I know are atheists. I mean, if you're out of Great Britain, for instance, if you're in England or you're in Australia, or all sorts of parts of Europe, people usually assume if you're not an atheist, you're kind of a secular type. Like, religion isn't strong in a lot of parts of the world the way it used to be. But here in Alabama, it is... your foundation. It is the culture, not just the belief. It is... It's strong still. It's not as strong maybe as it used to be, but it's still darn strong. Strong as new rope Mm -hmm. in many ways. So, we're in the Bible Belt, the city of a thousand churches... How did Alabama score on missing the mark? Where does Alabama rank compared to the other rankest, most sinful states here in this great nation of ours? Why don't you venture a guess before I I review? I will, let's see, all 50 states, I bet we're in the top 25 of the most sinful states. You're hitting the the mark. Now, that's, and, you know, Things like the seven deadly sins is how you categorize it. Sure. If gluttony and laziness are on there, we're probably close to the daggum top ten. So let's do because this. we are obese. I mean, that's a fact. Let's just get go ahead and do this the right way. The great state of Alabama ranked as the fifteenth most sinful state in the nation. Wow. Fifteen Alabama. This is what I mean. We got to repent. We got to atone for our sins. Well, we can't be. Vermonted, by the way, is the least sinful state. 
Vermont. Vermont. Well, who wants to live in Vermont anyhow? <laughs> <laughs> no wonder nobody lives there. You know, the home of Bernie Sanders, Vermont. So, how does it how does this break down? Why are we 15th? Why is Alabama the 15th most sinful state in the nation? Well, they break it down by category. I'll give us the good news first, where we rank as the least sinful. When it comes to vanity, including beauty salons per capita, Google searches for, like, plastic surgeons and the like, Alabama ranks 33. Okay. When it comes to greed, including number of casinos, percent of income given to charities, Alabama ranks 37th. Not bad. We're doing well in those categories of vanity and greed. I wait till you get to the fat folks. And I'm sorry. I don't want to offend anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's do excess vices then, if that's what you want to focus on. Such as obesity rates, number of fast food establishments, and excessive drinking. We're 14th. About where our total score is. They say Montgomery's like number one. Well, we were driving home last night, and Savannah, she looked over at me, and Nanny was like, Daddy, man, there's a Wendy's like every time we turn the corner. And I'm like, yes, there are fast food places everywhere, everywhere. In No, and there are, like, you know, living in Auburn for four years, you forget what normal people look like. Because in Auburn, everybody's young, and for the most part, young people are good looking. They still have, even if they go do the excess vices or excess sins, it hadn't caught up to them yet. So you can go out and drink every night and hadn't quite caught up to you. You hadn't got that that sallow, dragging, like wrinkly face yet. Your beard's still black. Right, these sort of things. (laughs) But it'll catch up with you, you know, or the... The almost like leathery skin from all the smoke and stuff, you know. Yeah, your women's lips wrinkle from all the cigarettes. Yeah, it's bad. But see, when you're in Auburn, it's still all this youth and these looks. And then I moved back to Montgomery, and the greatest test is go to Walmart. Go to Walmart in Auburn. Still good looking people in that Walmart. Go to Walmart here in Montgomery, whether it's on Atlanta Highway or Ann Street or wherever. No, No. habla. English. It's like, how'd you fit in those <laughs> yoga pants, girl? Goodness. That's the 84%. percent hmm <laughs> You know the rule of the 84 and 16? No. That's where I got my name from. That's where I thought 84 you got your name from the number you were given no, when no, you were in no, line no. for the Ben no, Carson. No, no, no. There is, it, there's this phenomenon where women wear yoga pants everywhere they go. Mm. All day long. Okay. Non-stop. And 84% of the women wearing yoga pants should not be wearing yoga pants. But I would say... 16%, however... Right. Should be. In your estimation. Should never wear anything but But yoga yoga pants. pants. (laughs) Even if they don't do yoga. (laughs) Namaste. I don't care. Namaste. Or whatever. Namaste. I don't even care what it's called. But that's the the eighty four percent rule. Oh, you dirty dog! <laughs> no, and I think the sixteen percent justify the eighty four percent. I'm not even if if it it's a package deal. Hey, I'm I can gonna put up with it. it. Yeah, I'm not offended I can put at up all. With it, yeah, do my, it. Do my, you my live girls, and let live? Hey, my girls play volleyball. Okay, those coaches are. You shut up right now. You can get yourself they in trouble. They used to be athletic. Some well, let's, on this topic, let's get to where did Alabama score when it comes to lust. Mm. 
This factors in, by the way, teen birth rates. Okay, we're going to be pretty high. Google searches for adult entertainment, adult entertainment, Mm -hmm. pornography, and prostitution rates. Alabama ranks 16th. Yeah. They must have missed uh, the other end of Carmichael Road down there. So we're doing pretty good on vanity and greed in the 30th you know the 30s in terms of our ranking compared to other states but when it comes to lust we're 16th when it comes to excess vices we're 14th that's like obesity races you know gluttony yeah how about when it comes to jealousy including cases of identity theft and fraud that's how they kind of measured it we are 15th and we're knocking a lot of these out of the park but then this is where it gets really bad alabama laziness which factors in share of adults who exercise, volunteer, average daily time spent watching television. They used all sorts of metrics to come up with laziness factor. The sin of sloth, I believe. Yes, that's right. We're ninth. We're in the top ten <laughs> on laziness. Wow. <laughs> it's the old southern like stereotype, like just sitting out on the front porch. Mm, man, it's hot today. Hot yesterday, going to be hot tomorrow. Oh, 84. Southern Wood over here has got his mouth covered. Like, he wants to say something, but he knows he shouldn't. Yeah. Good for you. We're talking about sin, so don't miss the mark. Watch what you say. You're being recorded. Well, telling the truth isn't a sin, but some truths you (laughs) shouldn't say out loud. I will say, though, but, I mean, you've got big pockets in the black belt, like uh, freaking Wilcox County. Nobody's got a jaw. It's like 27%. Unemployment. Uh, unemployment. Yeah. And it's like, well, it, w- what else are you going to do? Well, yeah, in all seriousness, rural parts of not just the state, but all over the country are struggling. Like, if you don't have a, a successful farm, like, yeah, well, I mean, good that's, luck. It's that's tough. What the economy was built on was on ag, and then labor rates got so high that you says, well, I'll buy a tractor, you know, to, right. you know, harvest my hay. Rather than, you know, pay someone to go out there with a sickle to cut it down. Well, and these new automated tractors are amazing. The It's not quite artificial intelligence, but the way they can plot, digitally plot a whole field and can lay things out with precision, it's, it's unreal. Uh, it's super impressive it is. To, to, to see it with your own eyes. It can test soil content. I mean, it's incredible. But just growing up like I did... Driving a John Deere 3020 open cab tractor, cutting the hay down and putting it in, you know, it wind rode it, and then you raked it up and bailed it. And now you can have an autopilot tractor mm-hmm. to cut the hay or cut the grass down. And, and you just, you drive around the field one time, and then you hit autopilot, and you can just sit back, hands off the wheel, and, and it'll the tractor will drive itself wow. all the way across the field and cut it in perfectly straight. It's amazing. And it really is such an achievement of human ingenuity. Like, that's what we want. What do we used to do in the good old days? Like, with washing our clothes. It was like maybe once a week, every two weeks sort of affair. And you were there all day with the washboard. 
and hanging things out to dry. And that's why washing the machines are so amazing. We don't have to spend all that time. Now it takes us hardly any time to do the laundry compared to what it used to be. In the same way, that is an incredible accomplishment How, to have it, 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 automation, it but it does have the downside. Everything's got a positive and a negative. Well, Everything. It's, it's, it's like in the farming industry, the, the, the round bale of hay, I mean, it. that was a game changer because at one time you bale square bales. Everybody, that's all you had. Hmm. It had to be something you could physically pick up by yep. yourself, and so you would have... Uh, one man cutting hay, you would have one person raking the hay into a windrow, and you one man driving the baler, and then you would have one, two, probably three putting the hay onto the truck, and then you would have another three at the barn. So you're talking at least a 10-man no, job. Yeah. And now, you just drive straight. Coleman just drives... Your little kid, your boy. Yeah, 1,800-pound bale. That's like 40 square bales in one. And so when you feed your cows in the winter, same thing. Instead of having two men on the back of the truck to load the truck and, and, you know, pile the truck up with hay, go out into the pasture, cut the strings, dump the hay out, let the cows eat it, you take a tractor and stick a spike in the bale, and you drive out there, and it's you put unreal. the bale down, and it's like, here, you got hay for three days now. And it's hard not to be impressed by it, especially if you knew the old way of doing it. But then if you're the guy who doesn't have that job because it now takes one boy, not ten men, I mean, that's frustrating, to and, say the least. And that's and I, I do feel for those people. I heard y'all talking about this earlier today or this week. Uh, that's the danger of increasing the minimum wage as well. If, it makes automation more attractive. If that's going to go up, then... Yeah. And see, in, in the farming industry, it wasn't necessarily the cost of wages. It was finding the help. Right. It was... Because it's a tough job. It, nobody wants to go out there and do that kind of crap. It, right. it it sucks. Right. I mean, it's hot. You get home and you feel broken and tired you as hell. You get stung by bees. Yeah. You know, fire ants get you. And nobody wants... To do that, you may be willing to do it. Right, if you need to. But for, so, anyhow. But here's, I've left out where Alabama scored the worst. Actually, in terms of one of these meta categories. We scored 15th overall. A lot of our scores on, say, jealousy, lust, excess vices like obesity, eating too much junk food, we're about at our overall. Medium. Mm-hmm. We're about at our overall score, 14th, 15th, and 16th on all those. Laziness, we're 9th. On vanity, we're 33rd. Greed, 37th. On anger and hatred, that's probably one of the worst sins. Anger that overcomes you. We must be some mad... And here's how WalletHub calculated this. It includes crime rates number of hate groups, unfortunately, and not like, oh, we don't like your... You you want to say prayers in school. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, KKK, actual neo-Nazi groups, white supremacist groups, actual groups. We have a lot of them, unfortunately. Not that much compared to the vast majority of the population. Like, percentage of population is low, but it's higher than other states is the point. Shared of abused adults and children. So essentially, WalletHub kind of broke down crime stats. Alabama, on this measure of anger and hatred, 
ranked sixth most angry. What's going on, guys? That's just bare bones crime rates. And you have to step back. Because we've seen some of these horrific stories of like child abuse, and you see the parents. They shouldn't even be dignified with the word parent. Like what they've done to some of these kids. Just yeah. ignorant, destructive people that should... I wish they were more self-destructive so they wouldn't destroy their children. I mean, terrible stories like that. Most of the time when I hear there's been somebody shot and killed, I think, okay, it's either a drug crime or kind of gang territorial claims, yeah. or it's domestic issues and disputes. It's usually one of the two. Sometimes you get a crazy story. But, or uh, drug deals. Drug deals, that's what yeah. I mean. Is drugs or domestic disputes. Yeah. So Alabama on anger is the sixth most sinful in terms of the sin of anger. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I mean, and this is all... Like, like you can quibble with their methodology, but... I, and that's that's where I would have the issue is... This is just a conversation starter. Does it make a huge difference if you're right. 15th no, or your 20th? Yeah. I mean, it's just a conversation starter. It does. And we do have problems in Alabama, yeah. but I, I think... We're and, not, and, like, uh, the worst. Nevada's the most sinful. Then it was, like, Cal- Florida is the second most sinful. Yeah. California's the third most sinful. So, actually, states, I think most people would get are pretty high up on the list. Yeah, and, and they're going to hit them extra hard because of the, the gambling and the, exactly. the other things that go on. And and how much, you look, just like Florida, how much, if they're using, like, police records as, as far as to tell, you know, crimes that are committed, mm-hmm. it, how many people go to the beach and get arrested, right. and they live in Indiana or right. Arkansas oh, or, or where have you. You go so, down for spring break, and you go a little nuts, yeah. And so, you know. Same thing with Nevada. Like, people go out and visit Las Vegas. and Sure. But here's the thing, Alabama. We didn't just rank, rank most uh, sinful in the category of anger, which was sixth once again. We actually ranked fourth. Now, this isn't a meta category, but it was on one measure of one particular category, lust. Alabama ranked fourth on average time spent on adult entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What can you say? Like, come on, Alabama. What's going on? It's a city of a thousand churches, and we're fourth (laughs) on... Well, when you don't have a job, you're sitting on your porch. What else are you going to look at on your It's hot today. I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. Let's check out what's on Pornhub. (laughs) Yeah, my old lady's eating too many Twinkies and McDonald's burgers. (laughs) (laughs) We shouldn't be laughing at it, but it's kind of like, you knew it. We all know it. You have to laugh at it. Yeah, I do laugh. It's sad, but I do laugh at it. It's, I think, better to mock it than cry. Better to laugh than cry. But that's, uh, I don't know, that's it, Alabama. In the center of the Bible Belt, the buckle of the Bible Belt, this dear state, we're 15th in terms of the most sinful state. Now, you could quibble with the methodology, as I said before. But at the end of the day, it's always good to sort of check ourselves. Like do a a check-in. Like how are we holding up as a society? How are we holding up in terms of the, the big seven deadly sins? Or, or you can look at it this way. It's a good thing we are 
the state of a thousand churches. Because yeah. if we weren't, we would be number one. Right. It's helping people <laughs> we actually repent even worse. and understand their ways. And there are um, some really good people I've run into recently doing just that. Um, like Brian over at Common Ground, uh, Ken Great Austin day. over at Mercy House. Wonderful um, man. I think there's an organization called Madhouse um, or Madehouse, something like that, that kind of teaches people training, like athletic training that teaches a larger point of disciplined lives when I get them on and talk to them. So there are, and don't get me wrong, there are great Catholic teachers out there, Methodist, Baptist, all sorts of different denominations that I know of, and they do wonderful things for people in the community. Things that go unsaid, probably because they need to, but people that are dealing with end of life, you know, you know, Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, different support groups for people who have cancer. And I'm not just talking about the people with say the diseases i'm talking about the people who may be spouses or siblings i mean it's really rough and our churches provide that that fabric of you'll be all right like it has the support absolutely um and that's very important we make light of this and but it's uh very important it's just that you'd think in a state where it's I mean, every time we have a state election, what is it? You know, family values, Christian values, and sometimes literally sitting in a pew as don't, you're doing your commercial. Don't even have a lottery because that's that's sinful to yeah. gambling. You can't play cards or dance or. But I think I can help Alabama out when it comes to the excess vices, at least in one way. You got to stop it. Lay off the Cheetos? Yeah, the excess <laughs> vices and the laziness. Lay off the Cheetos. It feels good to eat healthy, but also go work out. You can join me, Joey, over at Express Fitness 24-7. And I like it because I can go anytime I want. Like, I got called in early last Friday. So I was like, well, I, I want to get my workout in. So I messaged my trainer said, I got to go to the gym early. When I got there, I was there by myself. It was real early in the morning. Now, that would be cool, It too. was awesome, too. I was able to set up kind of a circuit where I did 21, 15, 9. So, I, it was 21 deadlifts and 21 lap pull-downs and 21 incline bench press. Then the row machine. Then 15, 15, 15. Row machine. 9, 9, 9. The row machine. And yeah, I got 9, this, 9. You know, I did that the other day. The 9, 9, 9? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> but I felt like I had accomplished something that morning. It's more than just being physically better like and you get sore the next day if you're lifting weights for instance but you kind of earned it like it means something but it's it's not necessarily the way you look in the mirror it's the mental uh, sharpness it gives you of giving you a routine in the morning and i love it i'm addicted to it yeah, and it's it's amazing that you actually have more energy even yes. though you're tired when you get through and you're worn out right you end up having more energy because your body's trying to generate that for you. Well, and it, essentially, you build up a callus almost. Like, you, your mind and your body get used to doing and carrying that burden. Carrying that load. Um, you're almost like the spirit of a camel or something. Like, yeah, put that heavy burden on me. I'll, I'll walk across the desert with it. Why not? But I love Express Fitness 24-7. I'm going to the Zelda Road location the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center. And there's one part of the facility right over Firehouse Subs. Right across the parking lot is the other part of the facility. Um, there's no want for equipment. 
There's all sorts of state-of-the-art new equipment there, whether it's cardio machines or kind of your standard weight machines, or if you want to use free weights and do your mm-hmm. deadlifts and squats and bench press. And they've, and they've got like four or five oh, other well, locations, don't they? Absolutely. Like Millbrook, Millbrook Clanton, uh, Clanton, Pine Level, Wetumpka, Prattville. But join me at the Montgomery location. It's a great place to get your workout in. Express Fitness 24-7. I love it because it is helping make me sharper in every way. It's giving me something, a routine, a good habit in the morning. And if you feel like, oh, I'll be a fish out of the water, you know, they'll give you free initial personal training. And there's no year-long contract. It's just month to month. It's a great deal all around, folks. So if you're interested, visit Express Fitness 24, the number, 24.com, expressfitness24.com. So... Maybe I can help people out on that front. Work out a little more. Noise. Eat a little healthier, you know? Noise. You can eat some good stuff, and it's still... I mean, I don't need any Weight Watchers. Oh, I don't need any Jenny Craig or any of that crap. Talking about eating noise. I'm going to eat noise when I get home tonight. Oh, look at you. And you're a working man. You don't need to work out too much. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I got a big, fat belly. <laughs> well, we'll be right back after this break, folks. Also brought to you by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Give them a call if you're looking to buy a home, whether it's a second or a third home or your first time ever buying a house. Or if you're looking to sell your property, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is the man you need to call. Give them a call at 322-0662-322-0662. When you call that number, he'll answer very quickly. Or if you leave a message, maybe he's dealing with another client, he'll get back to you very quickly. And he'll meet with you as soon as possible because he wants to get the ball rolling. He'll take the time to get to know you and your property. The property you're hoping to buy or the property you already have and are hoping to sell. He'll assist by suggesting any repairs or renovations on, say, a home you're looking to sell. So you can update that place to get top dollar out there on the market. He's not one of these guys that's just going to have you sign a contract and you know hammer a sign in your front yard and wait by the phone. Because he has experience renting real estate properties... Because he has experience investing in them for his own use. Because he has experience helping people buy and people sell. He's made a lot of contacts. He knows the market well. So he can help you get off the market very quickly if you're selling. Always a great thing. You don't want it sitting on the market too long. Get your property listed on all sorts of great listing websites, including thegoodsongroup.com. They have a great listing aggregation going on there. But also like Zillow and Trulia and Facebook and other websites. And he'll also help walk you through things very important things when you're trying to sell, like an open house, how that can be done successfully and really make your property shine, make it pop 
for those potential buyers. So if mm-hmm. you're interested, folks, in selling your home or buying your home, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. Again, that number, 322-0662, your real estate source, Eddie Bader, 322-0662. Hmm. So, where do we go from here, Southernwood? Because we've already essentially dressed Alabama down for being so sinful. I don't. I don't know. I. I really would like to. I'd like to see more about this uh, study. Yeah. If you want to call it that, of of how they classified what, because I think the people in at least, in, or maybe I live in a bubble, but I mean the. People I'm around are pretty good people. Oh, sure. And, I mean, even in Montgomery, I mean, yes, you got all the gunfire and all that crap that happens. And, and you know, crime is a bit of a problem in Montgomery. I think it's blown out of proportion a little bit. Uh, a lot of it's petty uh, crime, well, which is going to happen in a big city. Well, Montgomery is becoming a big city, and that yes. crap is going to happen. Well, and I'll tell you my own experience. Like, when that whoever like smashed my driver's side window to get in my car when it was parked on the street my new house and i thought it was annoying it a little unsettling i didn't have anything of value in the car so it was more like ah, i gotta fix the window and pay for that but it was an annoyance and it was unsettling going, oh man but mm, i never thought what is todd strange doing about this yeah like what are you gonna do Like, seriously, okay, I see plenty of police patrols in my neighborhood. There's not any lack of that. What are you going to do? Like, the political authorities can do the best they can, and maybe we need more police. I don't know. But you can't change the hearts and minds of men just from the political office. Not usually. It's very rare. And so when it's petty crime like that, I... they said, do I want to charge them? I said, yeah. But if I had to testify in court, I'd be more interested in, like, what's your circumstances? Why did you why did you do this? Like, why did you break the window to get in my car? Like, how bad is your life that you would resort to that? Because that's a pretty desperate move in many regards. So that's where my mind goes. Like, when I'm the victim of the crime, a petty crime, for sure. But And I think that's where you have to... And that's something that is is hard to do, and I don't think you could do with statistics, is, was the guy hungry? Right. You know, was he homeless uh, and just needed something and busted your window out to see if maybe you left some change in the car or left a gun in there, something he could sell to get some money? Or was it just some thug that just didn't have anything better to do and said, ha-ha, look at this cute little car. This SOB, blam, and knocked the window out and just kept walking. Right. It could have been something as thoughtless as that. And those are two complete different crimes. Uh, The motive is, and we don't, I don't think we penalize people on motive as much. I mean, you can be. You can make a case. Yeah, I mean, you can be. But a, a lot of it is just, and now the the dude that's just walking by that just bust your window out for no reason, just to be a butthole, right? You know, that guy, he needs to be caught. That is the lack of police, you know, surveillance. But the guy that's like, you know, I need some money, even if it's for heroin or cocaine or yeah. crack or what have you. 
at least he's got a motivation to bust your window out because yeah. he needs some That's form what of I, money. I did find myself wondering, why would somebody do that? Because I would never have that thought. Like, I really wouldn't. Like, it just seems so petty and, like, desperate. Like, I just wouldn't. And I've had bad times in life, but never to that point of, oh, I'm going to go destroy somebody's property. But I also do believe, for instance, I believe in the rule of law in a sense that theft should be clearly outlawed. But if you're hungry, say, steal a loaf of bread from somebody, is that morally wrong? You broke the law, but you're trying to feed your family. I would say sometimes it keep the general rule, but if you're that desperate, desperate times call for desperate measures. And if you're caught, you have to own up and take responsibility for, yes, I broke this law. This is the reason, judge. This is the reason the person I stole from. And maybe those people will see it in their hearts to show you mercy. Nah, if you had actually good reason and a desperate reason. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm against... Say laws against theft. I'm clearly for those laws. Yeah, but I I think there's so there's such a small amount of that because right. the guy that busted your window out had he come to your house at nine o'clock when you were leaving for work and said, "Hey man, my family's hungry," mm-hmm. and not say it out loud, but say, "I'm not going to break into your car, but I need to buy a loaf of bread for and how my family." Would you even believe them? Can I? Can I cut your grass for you? Can I pick up the pine cones in your front right, yard? Right. You know, it would. Can I wash your house? Can I do something? And you just, you just pay me whatever you think it's worth. I don't. I'm not even asking for right. an hourly rate, but I'll be more than glad to do anything around here. Or I can come back when you're going to be at home. I don't even want to for you to think that I'm here trying to steal something. Right. I just need to make a little bit of money to buy. Joey, you know good and damn well you would have said, "Here, here's ten dollars." You know, pick the trash up on the on the sidewalk well, in front of it, my house. And sometimes it's a it's a guess game in yeah. the moment. Sometimes somebody hits me up, say at a gas station, and I'll give them twenty bucks. Sometimes it's like. Yeah, you're just asking. You're trying to con me, and you can get a feeling. Like I can feel it feels like a con. I, th- I think you do, and I'll ignore them. Or sometimes it'll be like, "Hey, man, can I have some money for like a lighter?" And I'll say no, but then I'll go inside and I'll buy a lighter and give it to them. If that's what you really want, here's a lighter. I can spend the oh, dollar man. something. I mean, it's got- <laughs> you have to feel it out. But it makes me think of a distinction I've been working out in my brain. Uh, especially as we talk about like more laws in order to help people. But there's got to be some limiting principle of what you put in law. At the end of the day, law is backed up by coercive force. Right. It is not some, you know, social club. Government is not, well, we just get together and try to solve our issues. No. You get yeah, together it- and try to solve your issues, and at the end of the day, you're asking, where should we use legal violence? In order to change things about society. Yeah, it ain't the don't do that clause. That doesn't exist in the government. But there's something going on beyond the law. It's more the culture surrounding how we make laws and are making political decisions. A lot of it's in the culture wars, these fights over identity politics, and just generally these fights over these symbols we hold dear, like the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. There's a distinction made, and I was saying this the other night. 
George Orwell famously wrote 1984. But before he wrote 1984, he wrote an essay about his time at a British boarding school called Such Such Were the Joys. And in that book, there's a distinction about how the authorities, whether it was kids kind of deputized by the teachers or the teachers themselves, how they would administer corporal punishment. And at times it would be like confusing, bumfuzzling as why that kid got beat up, why that kid got punished. It doesn't make any sense. And here's the distinction. And he first learned it in this boarding school where the punishment seemed arbitrary, almost tyrannical. And he applied it in a totalitarian state like 1984. And the distinction is this. There's a difference between doing the right thing and an authority, like the government, saying to you, do the right thing. And mm-hmm. the right things are based on these laws and these rules. And we've promulgated these laws publicly, so you know them. And even your ignorance is not an excuse. We really decided this. But that's the clear rule. There's a difference between do the right thing based on the rules and just a general injunction from authority somewhere. And it could be some self-made authority. It could be some Twitter mob or social media mob. It says, be good. And they don't lay out what they mean by good. Exactly. And I worry that's a bit where we're going, where we're telling people, you better be a good person. And I don't mean you today and going forward into the future. I mean, you 30 years ago, be good by our new standards. That old you know, past self of yours, three decades ago, better not have done things that we now find abhorrent in 2019. And I, that, is a, that is a huge danger, the way that, you know, all these stories that are coming out about these celebrities or, or well-known people, where they're attacking, oh, look what he did back when he was 18. Well, right. he's, he's 40 now. Yeah, how did he change? I, What's I, his story? Surely, to God, I'm glad there was no such thing as Twitter or Facebook when I was 16, 17, yeah. 18. I mean, I really am. Well, I and mean, I, honestly, can, I had that when I was that age, and for the life of me, I can't remember half the crap I said. No. Who you, knows you, what I said back then? And, and that's another thing. You actually do things you don't remember doing. Right. Not because you're in a, a you know, a state of inebriation or intoxication or something. It's just, yeah, maybe I well, did. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. And think about how much of your life is unconscious, too, or subconscious. Like, you're not completely in control. I mean, I think we do have a large degree of free will or volition that you're responsible for your actions. Yeah. But think about when you're thinking and like you got a thought in your head and then all of a sudden you get a brain fart and you're like, where'd that go? Or you're watching something or listening to somebody talk and just some thought that you didn't come up with, it just kind of materializes in your brain. You're like, that's a weird thought. Yeah. And sometimes you say those out loud. Yes. And sometimes you get verbal momentum, and you're sitting there talking and telling a story, and everybody's laughing, and then you go one step too far, and you're like, oh. And man, this is the. I the, shouldn't have said that. The danger in constantly trying to come up with new standards in order to make us, for lack of a better word, progress. But how can you measure progress when. You don't have a clear standard of what progress is and if new rules are being crafted every day. And so say I am suspicious of 
somebody born a man is now transitioning and becoming a woman mm-hmm. and wants to compete in women's athletics. And I question that just because on the face of it, and I could be corrected, but on the face of it, that doesn't really seem fair. No, it's not. Am I now a bad person because I'm just having this thought out loud? This is my initial impression. No, you're not. Am I now like transphobic? Of course not. I actually know somebody I went to school with in ninth grade who I think is now transition. Yeah. And I'm one of power to her. I have a dear friend that has done that. But she would never, like, enter a contest like that. I don't think. I mean, I think I know her well enough that she realizes that... You know, she's still stronger and bigger and tougher than but a natural-born woman is. We and need room, though, in my opinion, to discuss these things, especially as new things come to light. And you need room to discuss things and allow yourself to say things that you might change your mind about in a week. Sure. Or not a few years. And so what I'm really worried about is this injunction and kind of this high and mighty outrage culture. It's like, be good kind of like be telling Alabamians like yeah you ranked 15th on the most sinful states in the nation but we're not going to tell you how that worked yeah just stop sinning just stop it and if you don't stop we're going to take your job we're going to shame you in the public we're going to do all sorts of terrible things to ruin your life and career as this arbitrary moral policing and shaming is not a good road to go down because it's not quite taken over our political structures, but it's getting there slowly but surely. Well, and and what you just said, the arbitrary uh, way that they decided where all 50 states rank is just as arbitrary as what we consider is quote-unquote right or wrong these days. It's like, nope, you cannot have that opinion. That's wrong. Well, and at least in that study, they made an attempt at some sort of objective standard using, like, crime stats and different things that play into uh, They made an attempt, but you don't It might know. not be completely right, but it, they made an attempt at least. This They told you this is our methodology. And But what do they consider what is... Uh, Fair enough. Well, you and that's, that's the problem is when you're actually trying to morally assess yourself or somebody else, it's complicated. Yes, because you're naturally going to invoke your own beliefs into it. If you are pro-abortion, you're going to say, yeah, but abortion, that's not murder. That's not going to matter. If you are Roy Moore, anti-abortion is, uh, that's 10,000 murders in the state of Alabama last year. Are you going to classify abortion as murder? I think it is, but that. But are you going to do me shooting you in the head with a gun? Oh, Lord. Treat it the same as having an abortion? And so, a lot of subjection. Well, and my point is we can't decide these things by vote. We can't decide these things by the latest social media outrage. 